to share with you um, my experiences. 43 years, 11 hours, <laughs> 43 years, 7 days, and 11 hours. So that is, that is, um, that is the grace of God. <clears throat> and the honor goes to my wife. I don't take any credit for this. Um, she has been a wonderful woman. And I often tell her, if we were to do this again, she would be the one. Amen. Yes. Well, this is a tough task, as I said. So I'm going to begin by prayers, by trusting the Holy Spirit. Father, we just want to thank you. Um, I want to depend completely and absolutely, absolute reliance upon you this morning. Because what I'm about to speak by your unction is not from me. It is from you. So I yield all of me unto you, Lord, that you might speak in and through me to bless your people. Great are you, Lord, and great is your faithfulness, and I rely on this. In Jesus' name, amen. Please turn with me to the book of Galatians, chapter 5. Galatians, chapter 5, and we'll read from verse... Um, verse 16 to verse 25. And in this passage, the, uh, the crux or the gist of my message will be taken from that passage. It says in verse 16, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evidence, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I've told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, also patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Verse 24 and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. 25, if we live in the spirit, and really we are as believers, he says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Amen? So I was given the task to you know, to share with you how to overcome infidelity. Infidelity, in case you don't understand, you don't know what that means, it just means having a romantic relationship with someone else other than your spouse. 
It is also called unchastity. In fact, in the Greek, the word is uh, ponia, ponia, and it is from there you get pornography, porn. So in Greek, it is not just adultery, but it includes every kind of sexual sin, every kind of sexual sin, impurities. All of it is included in pornea, pornography, and the rest. I want to begin by saying that, sadly enough, numerous cases uh, of infidelity are being reported in the church, the body of Christ, as it is in the world. And this situation denies the warning that Apostle Paul issued to the church at Ephesus. In, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3, he said, but among you, this is talking to believers, among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. They are improper for God's holy people. And so Paul is saying that it is improper Or I would say, like we say in our own language, it is out of character for God's people, that is the saints, the believers, to engage in such behaviors because that is not who we are. That's not who we are. God's salvation through the shed blood of Jesus Christ has completely and effectively solved the problem of sin in man. And if that is so, then why do some believers still indulge in acts of sin, particularly the uh, sexual immorality? And I can prefer two reasons for this. One of them could be that uh, they are still ignorant of God's provision in his salvation to overcome sins in our lives. Or two, that perhaps they are aware of it, but they have just bluntly refuse to embrace those provisions and apply them to themselves in order to overcome sin and live moment by moment the way that God has made us to be. And I believe that the latter reason is the case because our salvation is complete. Our salvation is proof, foolproof. By grace, we have not only been justified, but we have been sanctified and that was set apart for God's purpose. We've been made holy. He says we are righteous, and we are. Everything that pertains to life and godliness, godliness being, meaning holy living, has already been given to us. And therefore, we have no excuse for being ignorant of this truth. Why? Because the Holy Spirit who indwells us, who is joined to our spirit, Paul says, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So the Holy Spirit who indwells us, he is there to teach, to remind, to lead, and to empower us to experience Christ's life moment by moment. Therefore, if we as believers choose to obey God, to do his will according to his design, then we will experience the victorious Christian life. And that means overcoming the temptation to commit acts of sins, including sexual immorality. And I want to share on that topic, but I'm going to limit myself to the causes. In other words, what are the root cause of sins? Because if we understand the root cause of this sin and 
sinful, I mean, for, for that matter, then we will be better equipped, equipped to handle the temptations when they come. Last week, we listened to the testimonies of Mike and his wife. And as Pastor said, you will agree with me that the presentation was a powerful demonstration of the grace of God in restoring, in restoring people. Amen. And I said my discussion is going to focus on the root cause of this problem. But before I go into that discussion, I, I just want to mention very quickly some of the consequences of this scene in a marital relationship. And I will repeat this with a lot of trepidation um, because it's serious. It's serious business, guys. So what are some of the consequences? Every sin carries consequences. Whether you are a believer or you are an unbeliever, every sin carries consequences. God says that the, that the wages of sin is death. It will always be death. Romans 6, 23. It could be the death of the relationship. It could be the absence of God's best in your life. The absence of God's best in your life. Because death means absence of life. That's what death means. And so if we experience death, we will experience the absence of God's best or God's life in your life. It could even result in physical death. Sin can result in physical death. And we see this played out in Corinth. Um, uh, Paul writing to the church at Corinth, First um, Corinthians chapter 11, when the, when the believers were uh, messing around with the, with the Lost Supper, with the Lost Supper, this is what he, he told them. He said, for anyone who eats and drinks without solemn reverence and heartfelt gratitude for the sacrifice of Christ, eats and drinks a judgment upon himself if he does not recognize the body of Christ. That careless and unworthy participation is the reason why many among you are sick and a number sleep in death. That's how serious sin is. And here is what Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. He says, make no mistake about it. God will never be mocked. For what you plant will also be the very thing that you harvest. The harvest you reap, he reveals the seed that was planted. If you plant the corrupt seeds of self-life into this natural realm, you can expect to experience a harvest of corruption. If you plant the seed, the good seeds of spirit life, you will reap the beautiful fruits that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. Our Heavenly Father loves us so much that he warns us about the consequences of sin so that we will refrain from it. It tells us, I think it's Second Peter or First Peter, it said, it said refrain, refrain from idolatry because it harms your soul. It harms your soul. It harms your soul. Infidelity in a marriage causes devastation to numerous people. 
Not only does it affect the spouse and the offending spouse, I will call the offender, and then the other individual in the triangle, but also the children when they are involved, and then relatives. And all are affected emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and physically. Deep emotional wounds are inflicted on the people. They feel hurt, fears, all kinds of phobias, anger, guilt. To me, guilt means the horror of knowing that you've done something wrong. That's what guilt is. Guilt can kill people. Just the horror of knowing that you've done something wrong. Then there is shame. Shame means the feeling of unworthiness. I'm unworthy. That's what shame is. Resentment, anxiety, depression, and feelings of betrayal, hopelessness, and confusion. Mentally, sub-offenders see they are seen as a confirmation of the belief that they already have about themselves, such as, I'm not good enough. I don't measure up. And so the reason that if sins are not good enough, I might as well do the bad things. And some even find it difficult to believe that they can be forgiven. And so they reject even the forgiveness of God. And then some betrayed spouses also tend to have the same beliefs as they begin to blame themselves for the offender's misbehavior. And they reason this way, that if I were good enough, then my spouse would not have gone out to look for another man or another woman. And this is what I see in my few years of counseling. Infidelity causes great losses. And these are some of the losses that I have, that have been revealed to me. The offender said he lost self-confidence self-worth, self-love, no more true love, truth, trust, loss of intimacy. This is how I define intimacy, intimacy. Intimacy means to know and to be known. So intimacy, that is a very serious thing. The loss of intimacy. This is what he told me. He said, I have no one to open my heart to. Was a remark from one of my counselors. There is also fears. They have this overwhelming fear of losing family, losing friends. Especially, they feel, what if they find out that I've done this? And so there is that feeling of rejection, not knowing what to do to fix me. And he told me, anytime the phone rings in their home, his heart, his heartbeat skips because he's so scared of the question, who was that? What happened? This is the depth of the seriousness of this problem. Now the spouse the loss of security. And this spouse told me, I have lost my husband. The loss of belief in spousal love. She said, I, don't know, I no longer believe in spousal love. The loss of closeness, the loss of happiness, 
trust intimacy, even the loss of trust in God. And some have rebelled against God by committing adultery also, just to get even with their offending spouse, thinking it will medicate the pain that has been afflicted on them. And that is a lie. It doesn't medicate that pain. So let me now go into the root cause of infidelity. What is the root cause of infidelity? Now, these are the, some of the reasons I have been told. Number one, my needs were not met. Unmet needs. They say their partners were not meeting their needs, and so they had to find somebody outside to meet those needs. Number two, I've been told that it is because of my spouse's personal hygiene. Yeah. Let me get back to it. Yeah. Personal hygiene. They complain that their spouse's personal hygiene deters them from wanting to have sex with them. And so they are simply turned off. And so they look outside to meet that need. But interestingly, in some cases, the person that they end up with is not free from the same problem that deterred them in the first place. They also talk about a dull marriage, and some complain that their marriage no longer carried a spark. No excitement, no fun, to, no fun things to do, just day-to-day -day same old monotony. And so they go elsewhere to find fun. Some say that the spouse is no longer attractive. And some complain that uh, he or she has put on so much weight, no longer attractive, and he or she is making no attempt to look attractive. And so they're lost for a more attractive partner elsewhere. And finally, they complain of their inability to resist temptation. I cannot resist it. But I would say that all of these reasons, although they are real, but they are just excuses to indulge in this sin. They are not the root cause. The root cause is a sin factor that is in man. Sexual immorality or any other ungodly behavior for that matter is a symptom of a deeper spiritual problem that we call sin. I will not attempt to elaborate, I will not attempt an elaborate discussion on sin along with the emphasis that I want to bring to bear during this time because of the time available to me. Suffice it to say that all humans are born with a sin nature. A sin nature meaning that we are born dead to God but alive to the world. In fact, somebody said that we are, we, uh, that we, uh, what, what did he say? Um, that we arrived dead. <laughs> we arrived in the world dead. Yes. So we are spiritually dead. You know, we were, we were born still, still birth. Spiritually. Amen? Yeah. So, um, the seed nature is that unregenerate spirit. In man. It is also called the Adamic nature. That's one we were born with. 
Now, we inherited this seed nature from Adam. And that is why they call it the Adamic nature. Now, the seed nature is enslaved to sin, is enslaved to the world, is enslaved to Satan. It is controlled by Satan. And then the seed nature births what is called the power of sin. This is also called the law of sin. If you read uh, Romans um, 6, 7, and 8, it's also called the law of sin, the principle of sin. Now, the power of sin is like the force of gravity. It pulls us down. It pulls you down to commit acts of sin. So Satan uses the power of sin as well as the seed nature and then our flesh to pull us down to commit acts of sin. Now, because we came into the world without the life of, the life of God, an infant doesn't have the life of God. Let me just throw that out. We came into the world spiritually dead. And so but we have to live. We have to live. We have to find ways to survive. And therefore, we develop our own ways of living. And that way of living is what the Bible calls the flesh. The flesh. Amen? So, as believers, our nature has been changed. We no longer have the seed nature, right? We no longer have the seed nature. We are saints. We are new creation in Christ Jesus. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's what? He's a new creation. All things have passed away, and all things have become known. So we are new creation. We are saints. You don't have to go to the Catholic to become a saint. You are a saint. Holy people. That is who we are. However, the flesh is still there. Hmm? The flesh is still there. The power of sin is still there. Paul says that the power of sin is in our members. The flesh is still in our brains because all the things that I used to do, that you used to do, you and I, before Christ, in, in our BC days, they are still in our brains. You still remember them. And so we can recall them, and that is the flesh. Those ways that we, that we used to, uh, that we applied to get our needs met, they are still there. We can still remember them. Amen? So, we can see choose as believers. We can see choose to walk by the flesh or to walk by the spirit. So, in our text this morning, Paul begins with a counsel. He says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Then he goes on to say that the spirit and the flesh are at war with each other. The spirit is lusting the flesh, and the flesh is lusting against the spirit. Note, please, that it is the flesh and the spirit that are fighting. You and I are not invited into that fight. I want to make that clear. It is the flesh and the spirit that are fighting. You and I are not invited to that fight because the spirit is fighting on our behalf. And then it says that when we align ourselves with the spirit, we will not do what naturally, what we naturally will want to do. Naturally, we will want to walk by the flesh. That's a natural thing. We want to walk by the flesh. Naturally, that's, that is what we, we want to do. He says, when we align ourselves with the spirit, we will not do naturally what we want to do. Okay? But we will do what the spirit wants us to do. And then Paul now lists 
the deeds or the desires of the flesh in contrast with the fruit of the Spirit. And then he concludes that we, the believers, have been made to die to the flesh, but alive to the Spirit. We have been made to die to the flesh, but alive to the Spirit. And what does that mean to be made to die? Is that we did not kill ourselves. You see, we have been made to die. Somebody else did that to us. And so there are people who say, I want to crucify myself. You cannot crucify yourself. As far as the crucifixion is concerned, people were nailed to the cross. People were nailed to somebody else crucifies you. Amen? Amen. So we have been made to die to the flesh. It means that when you are dead to something, it means that that thing has no control, has no power over you. Your link with that thing has been severed. That thing has no power over you. However, we still have what is called the will, the free will. And God loves us so much that he gave us the free will. God did not make us robots. Robots don't have their will. It's garbage in, garbage out. He loves us so much that he gave us the free will. And that is one of the aspects of the image of God that is in us. So we can see choose. You can either choose to go by the flesh and then fulfill the desires of the flesh, or you can go by the spirit and therefore fulfill the fruit of the spirit. And as a result, we have to choose constantly, moment by moment, because the temptations are always there. The enemy does not wait till tomorrow. He does it moment by moment. Amen? So the choice is always ours. But even in making this choice, even in making this choice, God has empowered us to make the right choice. Amen? For it says that for it is he who does what he is at work in us, both to will, and to will means to make the choice. You see, sometimes we make the choice, but we don't do it. But it says, I am willing in you, and then at the same time, I am causing you to do it. Amen? For it is God who is at work in us, but to will and to do of his own good pleasures. So in that passage, there are three actors in that passage. In our text, Galatians 5, 16 to 25. Three actors. The first one is the spirit, the second one is the flesh, and then the third one is the believer, you and I. And then we need to know the roles that are played by each of these actors so that we can understand what Paul is talking about, and therefore overcome infidelity or any other sin for that matter in our lives. So what is the flesh? What is flesh? I'm glad you asked. Flesh is also the self-life. Self-life. And I defined it as the various ways that we have developed to get our needs met using our own resources. We use our intellect we use our high IQ, things that God has given to us. We use our stature. I could use my height. We use our beauty. Hmm. Anything that God has given you to do what? Get your needs met apart from Christ, outside of Christ. God has given you all those resources, and you say, I'm going to use it to meet my needs. God, I don't need you. Because you've given me everything. 
You've given me beauty. You've given me height. You know, women love tall people. I'm going to use that to get my need for intimacy met. Do we follow that? So that is the definition of flesh. Now, these are the works of the flesh. The first thing Paul wrote is, is what sexual immorality, impurities, sensuality. Those three all involve sex, impurities. You have dirty minds, the jokes that you, you know, the, the jokes that we have, they're all about sex, sensuality. You walk through your senses. It says sensuality means if it feels good, do it. If it tastes good, drink it. If it looks good, watch it. That is sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, witchcraft, enmities, strife, and jealousy, outbursts of anger. You know, road rage, outbursts of anger. And people just say, that is who I am, and that is not true. Disputes, dissensions, factions, envyings, drunkenness, carousing, you know, wild parties and orgies, and things like that, meaning that there are more of them. Please, can you show me the, um, the, uh, the slide on the flesh? No, 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 the uh, second one, please. Thank you. Go down. The third slide on that. Can, can you get it? Oh. Well, the slide I'm waiting for um, shows us what the flesh is like. The flesh is like an octopus. How many people have seen octopus? Octopus has how many? How many? Okay, right, right there. The flesh is like an octopus. Octopus has eight tentacles, eight legs. The flesh is like that. You know, for this, uh, now what I do in my counseling office is to structure the flesh of anybody that comes in so that I will know, you know, what they are carrying. Because if you don't know it, if you don't know it, some of us don't know it. You need to know it. Because you can carry, we take in this baggage into our relationships. And then you begin to wonder, where did this come from? Now, there are eight tentacles, eight tentacles that the octopus has. Now, for example, this is, this is the, these are the tentacles or these are the fleshly patterns that I saw in one of my counselors. Withdrawing, no communication, escape pain, in other words, when he or she is in pain, he or she escapes that pain by sleeping or by watching porn. The person is a caretaker. You know what a caretaker means? A rescuer. You are looking for people to rescue. Always looking for people to rescue. You think you love them? You don't actually love them. You just want to rescue them because when you rescue them, you feel good about yourself. It is also called a toxic love. And so, if they have issues, in fact, you, are, you want to leave them in those issues because they will always need you. The person is also self-absorbed. 
always playing victim. He blames the world for everything. He doesn't blame himself. I am a victim. And you know people with victim mentalities, they have a sense of entitlement. I'm a victim, therefore I'm entitled to steal in the office. I'm entitled for everything. A person is also obsessed with looks, how I look. Obsessed with status. Obsessed with how do people think about me. Such people become people pleasers. They always want to please you. Such people are very good in the church. Because I tell you, they're very good in the church. Because if the pastor needs anything, they will raise your hands. I want to do it. Why? Because I am seeking the pastor's approval. Such people, then this person is also passive. Passivity means I cannot decide anything. I just want you to decide for me. And that, of course, is a decision. Because if you decide for me, it's because I don't, I don't want to decide. Therefore, you decide for me. And that is also a decision. That is passivity. Resentful. Person harbors bitterness. So these are the fleshly patterns of this person. Okay, now go to the, uh, the last slide on, on that, um, the table. Now, I did the flesh of this spouse and compared it with the flesh of the spouse. Just to show them where, okay, now I'm sorry you, you cannot see that. So, the offender had all those fleshly patterns that are illustrated. The spouse also had her own issues. The spouse also withdraws. And when the spouse withdraws, she gets into what I call the silent treatment. I won't talk to you. And so she withdraws into sleeping. I, don't, I, just, I just want to sleep and reading. So while the offending spouse is busy watching porn, she is reading. Escape pain by sleeping and reading also has the caretaker all the way down, critical and judgmental. And so, you know, criticism, you know, he or she criticizes their spouse. And of course, when you criticize somebody, there is always a defense that you put up. You can't get across when you start your statement with, with, uh, with, her, with, her, with criticism. So I just showed this, you know, to show us, is that my time? So that's it? Okay. All right. So let me run and conclude. <laughs> I, will, I will unpack this on Wednesday if you come. But if you walk according to the flesh, then of course you are going to manifest those things. But if you walk according to the spirit, the Bible says, by the spirit, then you will not satisfy the lust or the desires of the flesh. Amen? Amen? To walk by the Spirit, remember, he said, walk, W-A-K, W-A-L-K, is not W-O-R-K. Some of us want to walk. Those that want to do things. But the Holy Spirit has already done it. He just says, follow me. Step by step. Follow me. I've already done the work. You don't need to pray. Just follow the Holy Spirit. Complete obedience. Total submission to the will of God. If we do that, 
if you do that, then we'll manifest the works, I mean the fruit of the spirit. You'll be patient with your wife. You have self-control. If your spouse is not ready for sex, if your spouse is not ready for sex, because of the agape love you have for him or her, there'll be self-control. You'll be patient. You'll be kind. You will not run out and say, well, because my needs are not met, then I'm going to go outside to get it met. In fact, unmet needs is not a problem. Unmet needs are not the issue. It is the way that you get around to meet those needs. Are you doing it from your own resources or are you depending on God? The underlying need, and I'm going to end with this, the underlying need, because that's, that is, that's what I hear. Well, my wife didn't give me sex, therefore I went out. The underlying, in fact, sex. <laughs> I was sharing with uh, my team this morning. I asked them a question. Is sex actually a need? Don't throw stones at me. Is sex a need? Because a need means it is something that you must have to live. I haven't heard of it. Hear me. I've not heard of anybody who has died <laughs> and they took and then they took they took the body to to the medical examiner and then they opened it up and they said he or she died of sex starvation. I haven't heard. <laughs> Hear me out. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Nofiok. Uh, some of us are still really young. But this morning, I, I just... Uh, uh, no, let me, let me put it this way. For our guests, for, for the benefit of our guests, at, after every service, we release people, we release you to go out there and go and do what God has called you to do.